Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Pitch and Tonic podcast with your co-hosts. My name is Kyle Morrow. My name is Sarah Jean Vavrin. And there's a dog on the way. Um, Classic. <laughs> today we are going to be talking about something a little bit more serious. Um, and that is the kind of the weird power dynamic of a music instructor and their students. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I think both of us have been thinking about mm-hmm. lately now that we are the instructors yeah. that we have students um, and looking back on our past instructors be that in recent years at college or when we were younger and our older instructors mm-hmm. yeah. um, why don't uh, we kind of talked about this in our like get to know you video but um we'll kind of let's talk about like our backgrounds with um just music education in general uh who would you like to go first um you can go first okay you can go first um i am kind of, i would say i like i'm an anomaly but i went to music school and got into music college without having any prior private instruction so I, before college, I never had a private music teacher or a piano teacher. Um, all of my vocal talent, I guess you would say, would be self-taught with um, kind of natural talent backing me for a little bit of it. And my music education was also very Catholic focused because I went to a Catholic school K through 12 every Friday um, up until eighth, up until my freshman year of high school. I would sing in the choir lofts for church before school started. I went through that weird period where the Catholic Church was like, we need to be more inviting, so we're going to change all of the, like, staples, I guess, of the Catholic Mass to the same key everywhere, um, which was very weird. I'm <laughs> not a fan of that for several reasons. One being you kind of, like, lose creative freedom for the church the second you decide to make everything the same key kind of annoying but whatever anyway um and then when I was in like middle school I had like swing choir I took all the music classes I physically could and then high school um at one point I was taking three music classes and then only like core electives so I was taking a guitar class a progression class and then choir obviously because I'm a vocalist I did not know that (laughs) yeah um well my senior year was kind of like not really high school, and um, if you want tea spilled, let me know, and I'll go on like a rant about it, but it's not what this podcast is going to be about. (laughs) So, and then I got into community college because my senior year wasn't super great, and I didn't have a great GPA, so I, I was a long time for, for a long time I was debating whether or not I wanted to do music performance, uh, which was the degree or the associate's degree title at the community college or music education or musical theater because I had no prior experience to 
classical music, if you will. I opted to go through music performance for a couple reasons. One, if I decided I wanted to do musical theater, it would be easier to transition from a classical degree into a musical theater degree because you still get, I, in my opinion, you still get a very well-rounded education vocally if you're doing classical music. You can't, it's harder to go from musical theater to classical. And the other reason was I didn't have to take, <laughs> I didn't have to take an extra history class <laughs> and I was all about that. So I decided to do that. And then I ended up really liking classical music. So it kind of worked in my favor. And then I finished my degree by doing opera. Nowadays, I teach mostly younger students under the age um, high school and under are most of my students age really a lot of them being six to like 11 yeah so picking curriculum is very interesting um, and you kind of have to be careful about what you do pick but you also want to make sure that the students uh, enjoy what they decide to choose and what you choose for them okay. so it's kind of like my musical education background yeah uh, mine is a little bit more of the stereotype pianist, uh, so started taking piano lessons when I was five. Um, and from the time I was a five-year-old all the way to graduating high school, I had six different piano instructors. Um, I was switching through piano instructors, some, some piano instructors I grew out of. Mm. Um, and then also um, in that time period I went to, I was in band. So I would, I played percussion and alto saxophone. Um, so band is a big part of my like musical history too. And then I also went to a performing arts high school for my freshman year. Um, and then after that, I went to a public high school where I went back to a band. But in that one year I was in a performing arts high school, I was a piano major and I was also in choir. Mm. Um, so music has always been like there. <laughs> So I, for me, choosing music was very much like a, a given. Mm. Um, and I taught some people when I was younger, very briefly, and it really didn't turn into me teaching until um, I went into, when, when I went to college, where then I suddenly became um, a tutor for like almost all four years. I think I started tutoring students my sophomore, my second semester of freshman year. Wow. Yeah. So once I became a tutor, that actually, that's when I found my love for teaching. And um, I kind of looked and very much reflected back on my past instructors um, and private instructors for piano and my band instructors and stuff like that. Um, and what I did like and what I didn't like. So I think I had that little grace preliminary period where I was like, it's okay if I mess up because I'm not really their teacher, I'm their tutor. Yeah. But you know, all of my quote like students, which were also my peers, I had like hour lessons with once or twice a week and there was like seven of them. Um, now exiting college, I teach piano, 
like um like Sarah. I only teach two kids, yeah, but twice a week, and I see a, it's weird because you end up seeing a lot of yourself in them, which is like really weird because they're younger and you're like, oh, is this how I was when I was a young pianist too? They're far better than I was at their age. Wow. Um, which is kind of scary because I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to keep up with you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are, that's like my basic music background. Um, yeah, percussion, band, piano, a little bit of choir. Yeah. And then suddenly composition and a lot of music theory. <laughs> yeah. Music theory sneaks up on you, I feel like. You, it does. You, like, know it, but you don't know it. <laughs> yeah. You, like, um, understand it, but you, you, there's, like, no name for it. There's no name, because you're like, oh, yeah, I played this in, like, seven pieces, and I never knew what it... Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know it was called a half cadence, but I know the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so... With our top, like, with our backgrounds, I think we both realized how much, like, power your instructor has over you in like a weird way of yeah. what you learn and your you general biases that you you yeah. start to pick up from them um i know i'm trying to be super inclusive with my teachings mm -hmm. um and i even had my student ask me why don't we learn um the repertoire that other classical pianists are learning mm. yeah and that was a a, a a conversation we had to have Mm -hmm. um about you know that's not the only music yeah and uh, he was very open to that he's in high school mm -hmm. so he's super he's he's pretty knowledgeable and like there's a lot of music out there mm -hmm. um but he was really one he was wondering it's like why never why didn't we learn beethoven's moonlight sonata yeah and i was like well if you want to like i'm always down to do that but you know i have other pieces that i think might strike your interest more yeah. yeah. What would you say, uh, and I'll answer this too, what would you say um, is the hardest, or what do you feel the most guilty about as a, a teacher having your own biases mm. with your students, which is kind of like a heavy load of topic. Yeah. Um... A guilty experience. Um, sometimes I am not as strict when it comes to a classical approach. Mm. Um, because since I am also a composer mm. and I love free form music and I don't mind accidents happening, I kind of sometimes say that to my student where we are playing a, you know, let's say a Shostakovich piece. Mm -hmm. And he might be making mistakes throughout the thing. And I was like, I always tell him, like, no one's perfect. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay to make mistakes. But I also realized that sometimes I do have to crack down on the technical aspect. Because it is kind of that, you know, technique base that you should be having mm -hmm. right there. Um, but then also, he knows that he's human. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that's a little, it's a little guilty part of me where I'm like, sometimes I think I should be stressing a little bit more on technique, but also that might be a residual part of my past. Mm. Yeah. 
I think for me, there's like a couple because I teach both voice and piano. So there's like different biases and different like things you end up feeling guilty on. Mm -hmm. For me, I have a tendency just in life in general to just like compare and contrast a lot. Mm -hmm. And it gets very dangerous when you start comparing students to other students and their growth mm. because every child especially right now has so many other things that they're like having to go through and so sometimes I'm like I don't understand like why can't you get this you know something mm. like I I I let me preface I never ever say that in a lesson I'm thinking it it's more the thought of it and it's you feel the bad. thought and you feel really guilty about it mm -hmm. the second you like think it and then the other thing is um I I feel slightly guilty for my voice students not pressuring them to learn the notes on mm. a piece of music mm. and it's mostly um I, one I have an older student who um we're not really focusing so much on like the notes on the staff and we're focusing more on like emotional qualities that we can have in singing and stuff like that but I, I don't really teach them mm -hmm. this is c middle c you yeah. know whatever uh some other students I do but I, I also don't use solfege that much. Mm. I I think it's a useful tool, but I don't think it's important. Yeah, and I I agree. There's some things that it's just like I I found myself doing that from like teaching from the books, right? Mm, yeah. And I would go through the books and I would pass like five pages because I'm like I'm not going to teach you this right now. I don't think it's appropriate for your like your path currently mm -hmm. and we will look at it later in another piece mm. um which sometimes I regret yeah <laughs> sometimes I'm like ooh, I really should have covered that <laughs> um but you know it's kind of you have to realize you're both on a journey together in a way mm -hmm. and you're there to guide them and you're just hoping you're not guiding them in the wrong direction yeah yeah for sure. It's like you let that, it, it, you have a lesson, you let one small, like what you think would be such an insignificant thing slide. And then it ends up just like building and building mm -hmm. into this giant problem that you didn't think, you, you like didn't even see coming. Yeah, and then you have to address it for the almost the whole entire lesson. Yes, yes you do. Yeah. And like, it, it's going to happen. I mean, it's happened to me as a student yeah. where I accidentally made like, I would say it, because lessons it's a it's not a some lessons can be like teacher versus student mm -hmm. but i would say most lessons it's about getting through the journey together yeah. like you said so like learning to breathe the wrong way or mm -hmm. unlearning like a bad technique yeah it's hard and i think that's from people who like if they're looking at music lessons right mm -hmm. i think they see it as like school mm -hmm. right there's a teacher who teaches the student things mm -hmm. right but what i don't think people realize it's a lot of self-learning for the student mm -hmm. and it's a lot of go here here are the tools go practice 
Yeah. Right? And then they come back and we address the problems that they have. And then we teach them a little bit more and then they go practice. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not like you only learn when you're at the lesson. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something both teacher and student need to realize because it's like, I, I, I can't expect them to learn everything mm -hmm. by themselves. Mm -hmm. But then I also, I'm like, oh, I can't jam pack our lesson with like a uh, hundred facts and expect them to remember everything. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, um, another, you know, just topic change, but, uh, looking back at your past instructors, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'll answer this too, just like, yeah, you sure, did, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, looking back at your pa past instructors, where did you see a shift in power dynamic? Um, and where you didn't feel that it was necessarily right. And now as a teacher yourself, you would change something about that. I, for the longest time, I, I had always been like a follower, mm -hmm. especially when it came to instruction, probably because through K through 12 education at a Catholic school, that's all you learn is like teachers, mm -hmm. right? You were wrong. Learn basically, mm -hmm. no matter what subject. And so when it came to like college education, I just, not that I had blindly followed bad advice because I don't think any of my instructors gave me bad advice. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying I just never questioned it mm -hmm. and I never pushed to do different repertoire mm -hmm. as much as I think I could have. Yeah. Like a, if I were in college today and I decided to just start my music education bachelor's over again, I think I would have demanded composition lessons because I never got that. And um, it's one of the things that I wish I would have pushed for a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think I wish I would have, um, I, I wish my experience would have been validated. Because mm -hmm. for the longest time I thought to be a classical singer, you go through the YAPs, which are young artist programs. You fill them out. You go to a million auditions. You apply for residency programs. And you just cross your fingers and hope to God after you spend somewhere around $10,000, which, yes, that number is correct. Um, you get into one. You get into one. <laughs> and... I also realized that I just don't have the big opera voice. I mean, I have an opera voice, but I don't have like a big opera voice. Mm -hmm. It's lighter. It's, it's more suited for either Baroque music mm -hmm. or contemporary stuff, yeah. which funny enough, that's mostly what I do. <laughs> but I think that that's the biggest thing. I wish I would have like trusted my instincts a little bit more. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, mine would be somewhere around the realm of that. Um, and it's where I started dipping my feet in a lot of things. It's mm -hmm. kind of the opposite almost, actually. It's like I was given the, the chance to do composition lessons. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, a lot of instructors told me I needed to pick a path. 
mm. right? Um, and I was like, no. I was like, okay, sure. And then I would pick both paths. But the thing <laughs> is, is that both, both from composition and from piano, it's like expected 100%. Yeah. Right? And I was like, I'm not a concert pianist, but I'm training to be a concert pianist. Mm -hmm. I'm a composer trying to just be a composer, <laughs> right? Whatever that meant at that time. Um, and it was, here's a bunch of repertoire. Here's a very style, stylistic way of writing. And that's how I had to do it. Yeah. When finally, like two years down the line, I was like, let's not do this. And um, I think that was where there was a big shift, but it was it was definitely something I didn't challenge before, right? Because just like you, you never question your music instructor. You never. Because you always think they're right, right? Which is something I always tell my students, don't assume I am right. Wow, good for you. Yeah, I always, I tell the older one this, and um, I, I always tell them, don't assume I'm right, fact check me because I also make mistakes, right? <laughs> One was um, the difference between Tenuto and... Um, Mercado? And Mercado. <laughs> I was calling Tenuto markings Mercado the whole, like, for two weeks. And now I have to go tell him and be like, hey, <laughs> oopsies, sorry about this. Um, simple fix, but very... But it did something where it's like, oh, you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think that's where a lot of old instructors, like um, instructors where it's that same dynamic and that's their mindset, mm -hmm. um, forget that they can also be at fault. Yeah. Yeah. And something I'm trying to fix for myself. Um, but yeah. It's definitely like a hard... Oh, it's, a, it's a harsh reality, I think, for a lot of older teachers mm -hmm. because, and it, it, it's just a product of their time and you can hate on that and, and you can understand it. You know, I, mm -hmm. I am right there with you. I have mixed opinions about that situation, yes. but it's definitely a product of their time where if they make a mistake, it's almost if they, ha they have to keep rolling with the mistake mm -hmm. and admitting that they were wrong is sometimes harder yeah. than keeping up the lie. And I wouldn't say that th that has happened to me in a, all, like all the time, or it was like a giant mistake or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I just know it has happened previously in my education. I will not state where, but it, and I think that's the difference between old teachers and new teachers mm -hmm. that like, I, I am very much okay with my student being like, that's wrong. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, you're right. That is wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry. I gave you the wrong advice. Thank you for correcting me. Mm -hmm. Let's move on type of a thing because, and I tell this to my, and just like you said, like we are human. We are not programmed at all. We are not a machine. We will make mistakes. Yes. And it happens all the time, you know, as teach. I I have, I think, upwards of 35 students. Mm -hmm. And you can really lose track of where people are, first off. I have lesson mm -hmm. plans for everybody. And I, you know, keep track of what everybody's working on. 
but it's very easy for things to slip through the cracks cracks like last week I I did not prep a lesson as well as I could have and I was making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes in my piano mm -hmm. playing and I had to like apologize to the student I was like I'm so sorry you were playing things correctly I'm messing up all over the place keep going I'm just gonna keep listening to you and if I see something or hear something we'll stop and we'll talk about it mm -hmm. type of a situation you just kind of have to hold yourself accountable and know that the guilt's there yeah. it's hard though because i i teach zoom lessons and i know the parents on the other side of that screen mm -hmm. and it's like the fear <laughs> of them being like why aren't you a better teacher blah blah yeah. blah 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 because they think you can play everything perfectly yeah <laughs> they think you can play everything perfectly know everything they're like trust me i do not um yeah um Speaking of, okay, so we've been really back and forth about private instruction, right? Mm -hmm. And academic instruction, mm, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of one in the same when it's in college. Yeah. And that it's it's definitely a weird dynamic, right? It is. Um, do you see any similarities with, like, how or complete differences on how people act as a private instructor and as an academic music instructor i definitely know that as a private music instructor you are going to be more lax mm -hmm. because it's not like a collective goal that yeah. you're reaching towards and everybody has to do their part it's a individual and, and you like if the individual decided not to practice that week you you can't be like, okay, we're going to sing this memorized. And yeah. if they fail, first off, There's they're going to feel like shit. Yeah. There's no failure in private instruction. Yeah. Right? It's just working with what you've got at the mm -hmm. time. And I, you know, I have students who don't practice some weeks and there are probably some private instructors out there who are like, what? You don't reprimand them for not practicing? I'm like, no. bro, I'm busy too. Sometimes <laughs> I don't practice. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to nail into like an 11 year old who was like, my work week was so busy. Like, bro, that's okay. Let's play yeah. together. Mm -hmm. You got to work with what you got. And you just got to, it's, it's, I would say it's more go with the flow yeah. than academia. Um, although there have been some academia classes I've had where the instructor was lenient mm -hmm. and by lenient i mean everybody was like there's no way we can accomplish this deadline and instead of them being like well it's on the syllabus they were like oh do you guys want an extension for the mm -hmm. next week and the class would be like yes that's yes. great thank you for doing that we appreciate you mm -hmm. accommodating to our busy lives <laughs> <laughs> and i and also i think reversing that Private instruction really leaves a lot up to, it's, N not that I don't let my students choose pieces, because mm -hmm. I definitely do, especially as like the end of the year's wrapping, I was like, is there anything that you wanted to learn how to play? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really difficult. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's going to be hard, but we will do it. Yeah. Uh, but in academia, I think you have less opportunity for a student to 
be like, let's learn about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really weird top. Like, if you think about it, it's like we tell people and our instructors told us to play a certain thing, right? Yeah. And now, you know, we're trying to... Were you ever given... Sorry, Daniel, yeah. but were you ever given the option to say no? Yes. Okay. Yes, I was always given the option to say no. Um, and I realize how hard it is to pick a piece for a student. It is mm. s really difficult, mainly when they start getting a little bit more advanced. Yeah. And um, coming, you know, when I was still taking piano lessons, I always was like, oh, I wish I was playing like different pieces, blah, blah, blah. But like in my mind, I was like, oh, it's because the piano instructor gives me pieces. Mm -hmm. Right? And I can say no to the piano piece. Mm -hmm. But I would just get given another piece and I might not be happy with it. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But then I realize now I'm like, you're going off of the knowledge of your piano instructor mm -hmm. and their pieces that they know. Because at one at some point, you know, it's gonna come to the realizations like the piano instructor also has to learn this piece. Yeah. Like you you have to like take that in consideration now. You're like, oh okay, I'm gonna give my student this piece and I hope they like it. And but at the same time they don't realize I'm also learning this piece mm -hmm. with them and also outside. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's a weird like when you're younger you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And by younger I mean like even three years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You don't think about like the dynamic, right? Because you might see it as, um, you know, they are teacher, I am student, right? Which it is. But then when it's a private lesson, it's it should be a mentorship. It should be they are a mentor and you they are guiding you. But also they should be a little bit more knowledgeable, right? Mm -hmm. I hope. <laughs> Yeah, I think it also depends on, like, the student, whether or not they're taking lessons casually or, True. or like... Sometimes they don't say that. They don't know. They don't say if it's casual or not. Or maybe they don't know. I, I, I pick up on the vibe, <laughs> at, at least for, like, singing for, like, my younger students. One, I, I, I know one student is, like, I, at the end of this year, would like to be in the varsity choir or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, cool. So we have, like things we're actually working on and all that kind of stuff. But like my younger like students is definitely casual. Mm. I give them things that will help them with technique that they don't know helps them with technique. Mm. Um, but we, we do like tongue twisters and we sing a bunch of songs that they want to sing. Yeah. I give them musical songs every once in a while to help them with technique because musical songs are a little more wide range than the, Disney pop songs that they want to sing. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a, that's a complete, because we have completely different students. We do. We do. One, and we also have. completely different, but. We also have completely different, I think, teaching styles, te too. Oh, yeah. I reverted. I, I'm definitely like that. I, even though I'd say I'm 100% against, like, not 100% against it, but, like, I try not to be the, the stuffy classical pianist, piano instructor, like, I see myself and I am. Like, and I think you, when I tell you stuff, you're like... That's pretty strict. <laughs> yeah, I end up being a little strict. Um, 
And I, I guess it like shows in my, you know, in myself type of thing, like how I do that, but. It's also probably like all you've ever known. That's, yeah, I don't think I've ever, thing. I don't think I've ever, I've never had a private instructor like you. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the thing. I mean, I, I have my faults, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I've never had a piano private instructor that was like, let's play some Disney songs, you know? Oh, yeah. I was always a, I was always given classical music. Mm. Um, and it was always classical and romantic music. Mm. And then I throw in the Bach Baroque. Yeah. Right? Um, it was only till recently, like, I was like, oh, let's just, like, dip our feet into the night, uh, 1900s. Mm -hmm. Did you sign, like, a Bartok piece? I did have a Bartok piece um, in when I was in high school, but it, it was, like, I think the, it was written in, like, 1901. Like, mm. it was, like, right there. Right there at the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. It, it's really weird how, because our private instructors also teach classes, right? Teach our mm -hmm. academic classes. Yeah, I wouldn't say I have a private instructor anymore, just because... Our old private instructor. Our old private yeah. instructor, yeah. And I would like to clarify, I've been taking private lessons in a while. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. No shame. And, um, they also, we, like, wrote papers for them and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did you notice how, say, their private instructor teaching also bled into their, um, academic courses? Mm-hmm. I mean, when, especially because, I mean, Kyle and I went to a very small college. Let, let's very preface. liberal. Very small, liberal college. Yeah. And on top of that, if you, um, depending on your field, you would end up taking most of your classes from your private instructor. Mm -hmm. Like I did. I, I think I had two classes almost every single day with my private instructor. Yeah. Which was nice because you it, you knew exactly what to Honestly, expect. Nice. Their teaching style didn't change, um, and you also already had like a built up rapport for them. So first day of mm -hmm. class wasn't like awkward introductions or anything like that. Yeah. The the I would say the pitfalls of having the same instructor would be that the curriculum was pretty consistently the same, and by curriculum I mean like the things you would go over mm -hmm. would be very consistent with like my private instruction. And again, I was a classical voice major yeah. and a lot of my classes were diction classes or choral classes or opera scenes, mm -hmm. things like that. So the composers that I would sing and the composers that I would study were also the same people that I would sing in private lessons and perform for like recitals and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the variation between what I would be exposed to was like very small. Yeah. Like the box was pretty little, yeah. which was nice when I took like theory or ear training or um, trying to think of other classes like rhythm or I took like a, a black music matters class. So um, that's when I really started to expand my horizons in terms of what other composers were out there mm -hmm. and like not just Puccini, Verdi, Foray, um, 
can't even think of other people right now. <laughs> but it's just all like, the classics. All the classics. Yeah. Like, there are more than those people writing vocal music, and it doesn't have to be super complicated, mm -hmm. which was nice. Although I do have to say, because they weren't my vocal classes, I did not pay attention as much. Mm -hmm. And that's because I felt, this was like, it's a, it's a me thing, it was like my instructor thing, but like, I felt like if I didn't get an A plus or above in my vocal classes, that I was a bad vocalist mm. because it meant like, oh, you don't understand your own field type of thing. Yeah. There's like a little bit of like guilt. And I think it, it was more like societal guilt injected into me than anything else. Yeah. I don't, did you have like a similar experience to that? I did. Um, luckily. You also were kind of like doing this. Like, yeah. get away! <laughs> I was... I, like, again, I didn't choose a path. Right. Um, but I was... That also meant that all the information I was given was coming from, like, seven different sources. Yeah. Right? So my box, like, your box, mine was a lot bigger. Mm. But the thing is, I noticed it was a lot of the same thing. Oof. Right? Um, and... Which is not to say, I love all of my instructors. They were mm. great and they taught me so much, but it's something even I notice as an instructor now, like it's something hard where it's, you like something. Yeah. You definitely like something and you want to show it and you want to share it with your students. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that what happens if your students aren't interested in that thing? I've had a similar experience with this. Yeah. And that's where the weird power dynamic comes from, right? It's like your your instructors are sharing what they love, mm. hoping you also love it. Yeah. But sometimes that's not the case, mm. right? That's not always the case. We hope it's always the case because I when I show my students a piece of music, I think it's really cool. Yeah. And then they go, oh, fun. Like, are we going to play the piece, like our piece now? And I'm like, oh. Oh. oh, I was like, I thought this was cool, but you know, okay. Um, but so it was a lot of the same. Yeah. And in terms of like classes, like what you were saying, but mm -hmm. from my perspective, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But it, the only problem was that I definitely fell out of love for piano yeah. and I didn't stay with it. Um, so I really did not do well in my piano courses mm. um, because just like you said, it wasn't a private instruction, so I didn't super care about it and I didn't give it a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, a me thing. Yeah. Just like, it, yeah, it's a you thing, me thing. Um, but yeah. So what was... I, I have an answer for mine, but what was your, uh, like, did you show, uh, hold on, I have like eight thoughts going through my head right now. <laughs> what was, oh, so say you have practiced or learned this piece, mm -hmm. you know, and it goes with a lot of things, like you learn it, you perform it. Yeah. When you gave it to your student was were you doing everything that you possibly could not to give them a certain way to like 
teaching them how to play it like you played it. Oh, yeah. That and that's hard. It's, it's hard. really hard. And um I tell my student this and I actually I I say it right at the beginning, we have different hands. Mm -hmm. Uh and this is from a pianist's perspective. We have very different hands. We are two different people. Mm -hmm. Um and a lot of that is like fingering, right? And it's artistic interpretation. Mm -hmm. Um so it's really hard when I it's like a piece and it's always been interpreted this way and I play it the way it's in like I was taught it mm -hmm. and so I'm teaching it to my student that way and they don't play it that way mm -hmm. and I'm like okay well historically it, it wasn't played this way but then obviously I'm also for not playing it historically the way it is so mm -hmm. I'm like I'll show you how it's done like how it was always played mm -hmm. but if you don't want to play it that way it's okay yes. yeah um a moment would be like um a certain ritardando right mm -hmm. sometimes you know ritardandos you can play too slow right mm -hmm. but you know if the student wants to play it super slow i just kind of let them but then i sometimes i go okay that's way too slow you need to like bring it back to tempo just a tiny bit mm -hmm. <laughs> um so it's kind of like a, a choosing your own battle situation yeah. Yeah. Um, as a weird term that is to put with that. But it is definitely like a, I'm going to, you know, sometimes I do have to put my foot down and be like, this is how it has to be played. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of sometimes it is sometimes physical health, because if they play it a certain way, I'm like, you're going to get like carpal tunnel. Yeah, I have to do that with my students, too. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, one of my students, um, they were learning, like, two very stereotypical vocal pieces. Mm -hmm. I will name them because the interpretation for both of these pieces can widely vary, yeah. for the most part. Omiya Babino, mm -hmm. which is a very classic Puccini piece yeah. most people in the opera world learn it and then the other one is Caro Mio Ben which mm. like most singers want to put a nail through their skull every time they hear it sing with the accompanist <laughs> sing with the accompanist it's like everybody's go-to song it's because it's relatively easy yeah and it's in a good key um but um, we had to talk through one, like my student had like a, had something physically stopping them, like health wise to be able to make it through certain phrases. So first, so then they start taking breaths in different spots that I do. Mm -hmm. And I had to, instead of teaching them how I performed the piece, yeah. I usually especially if it's a vocal piece it's a little bit different when it's like an instrumental piece and it mm -hmm. has no program to go with it it's not yeah. program music i tell them put yourself in that place as a character what do you think the character will do mm -hmm. because then it is no longer my song it is the student singing the character's song mm -hmm. And so, cause like I would push through phrases or hold them longer, whatever, hold the fermatas. Yeah. <laughs> it all depends on like your capability, like you said, yeah. vocal health. You can't like hold the high note for as long as you physically can. Mm -hmm. Cause at a certain point you will hurt yourself. Yeah. 
Um, I actually do the, something similar because you said it's not program music. Mm. Um, I make it program music. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and I always, and I, after we're done learning like a section or even when we haven't even learned the piece yet and we're just listening to it, I tell them to picture a scene in their head. Oh, cool. And I say, whenever you play this piece, I want you to picture that scene. Um, and I, I always say, I'm like, if you want to know mine... Like, I'll tell you, but you have to tell me yours first. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't want to influence your scene in your head because this is not my piece. I always tell them that it's not my piece. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's also not the composer's piece anymore. It is your piece. You're playing it. Yeah. yeah. Smart. Yeah. What would you say uh, is your best go-to teacher advice? For a new teacher. For a new teacher. Granted, both of us are kind of new teachers. We are new but... teachers. Um, something where it's, I, I wish someone told me. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, reflect on your past instructors. Mm -hmm. I like picking and choosing of mm -hmm. uh, what things I, they did and I, what they did and I like and I'm going to copy them. Mm -hmm. Right? And then learn to be, utilize the tools to be flexible. Mm. right um because every realize every student is different in their learning um capabilities and you know styles so say you know you all all we do is learn from our past experiences right mm -hmm. so if you see a student struggling with one thing you remember oh i had the same thing like back when i was like 12 yeah right um and be like oh okay i know how to approach this now um and you try it out, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, backtrack. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with backtracking on a lesson, um, mainly when it's like something fundamental. Mm. Yeah, strong bases. I think my biggest advice, and this is because I mostly teach like really young kids, mm -hmm. is just because they can understand the concept mm -hmm. doesn't mean you shouldn't go slow. Mm. because and here's here's my thinking yes um depending on what book series you have for like piano teaching because most of my young students are piano teachers I do have vocal students and those are a little bit different but um do not learn more than I would say like three new concepts in a lesson mm. max sometimes you learn two and that's totally okay and that might be like a new note mm -hmm and a new piece and sometimes and it, it also you know it does depend on the student for sure but you need to be incredibly patient with them yeah. and allow them to get distracted yeah. and reel them back in after they have their like little moment <laughs> i like to do like stretching breaks my students think it's so funny because i like make it really dumb another thing is um allow yourself so say you teach for like 30 minutes a lot of my lessons are 30 minute lessons because they're like really small people they can sit still for 20 seconds <laughs> yes they can sit still for you know x amount of time i let the last five minutes of my lesson depending on what we've done i let my student do whatever the, they want like mm -hmm. they can i'm like do you, what was you know do you want to do show and tell? Like, what's one thing, thing you're looking forward to this weekend? Um, 
uh is there you know like i i also let them like ask questions mm -hmm. um and sometimes we don't play as much in certain lessons as other lessons like i'll mm -hmm. give history lessons yeah. especially when you know the student's like not gonna play that day yeah at least you can still utilize that time and then their parents aren't like why didn't we do anything that wasn't yeah so i think that's kind of like a lot of advice yeah but Go slow. Go slow. <laughs> go slow. So go slow, learn from your past. Yeah, go slow, learn from your past, and make it fun. Always make it fun. Always make it um, fun. I always ask my student, are they still having fun? Oh, I don't do that. See? I maybe should do that. <laughs> so the reason why I do that is because no one asked me that. Oh. Yeah. Um... And it was always like they assumed I was still having fun. Yeah. Right? So I always want to make sure my students are still having fun. Um, so yeah. Wow. We are still very young instructors, by the way. Yeah. Like, I, I have six months of, like, real hardcore experience. Same. We started around the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a time. Um, and I also want to, like, preface that our experience teaching or my experience teaching it's mm -hmm. a little bit different for you yeah. is all online i had to mm -hmm. jump over that curve for zoom and you really you really have to you have to be patient with yourself and really allow some lessons to just be utter garbage mm -hmm. it's gonna happen there's nothing you can do about it especially if like the wi-fi connection for your students like crap the whole lesson's like can you hear me you froze <laughs> you froze again it's like i know thank you Oof. we're waiting just be patient it's hard yeah um yeah. i think that was a pretty good talk wrap it up wrap it up all right and yeah i would say main takeaway from this you generally don't have you could have a bad instructor right but there's always a lot of good in there too yeah for the most part there's exceptions obviously there, yeah, there are exceptions. um but you know all my instructors i don't think i've ever had a bad instructor um they've all done something great in my life mm -hmm. um so yeah um our question for you guys is what was your if you're a teacher what was the best advice you ever received Ooh. from a former teacher in terms of like how to become a better teacher or just like teacher advice mm -hmm. and um non-teachers what was your favorite experience with a, like a teacher mm -hmm. it doesn't have to necessarily be music if you've never had like a musical background no. um Mentorships are everywhere in every field. Yeah, absolutely. It could yeah. be your kindergarten teacher. It could be your seventh grade science professor. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Um, answer maybe, answer those questions in the comments below. If you have any advice for us as music teachers. Um, thank you. Like, like comment, subscribe. <laughs> yes, and we will see you next time. Bye!